Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And we are so glad that you are back with us today. If you blessed us by listening to the last podcast, you know what we're about to talk about today, but we will introduce it anyway. Today, we're starting a three-part series on the theological virtues. So today, we'll be talking about faith. But before we get to that... about faith... Oh, Pam's getting her George Michael on. All right. (laughs) Nicely done. Uh, I think you said you you wanted to share a little something with me. So have at it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, really love my time together with Megan. And I learned a lot from her, as you can see. But this is a really cool thing that uh, it's gotten. It's kind of taken off because I've been sharing with other people. When Megan and I were together over our retreat at her place, she and her whole family have a habit of having tea in the evenings right before bed. That's just their thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she said, would you like some tea? And I said, that would be quite lovely. So I decided to adopt that at home. Mm-hmm. And it is my way of like, that is almost like, you know, the infant, this is time for bed. This is my wind down time. Um, there's no TV screens. Um, there may be a book after that, but to have my tea and maybe some evening prayers if if my mind is snap enough to to pick up my Magnificat. Mm-hmm. Well, my daughter is now joining me. And as I was telling my very dear friend that I work out with, she decides, well, I'm going to get some tea and I'm going to start to do this evening routine as well. So if we add prayer with our tea, oh, such a good thing. So I wanted to say thank you for nope. being that little silent witness in your family to, to start these kind of good habits that... Um, I know in a way it can bring me closer to the Lord, especially if I'm sitting down to reflect on my day and maybe do my exam during that time. So thank you, Megan. You are very welcome. I'm so glad it blessed you. I I, did. You know, a lot of times people don't think of having um, tea in the evening because they get, you know, in their head, I don't, I can't drink caffeine. It's going to keep me awake. And the reality is there's tons of caffeine free teas. So I will say that I picked up one that's called Nighty Night. <laughs> and I love it. It's passion flower and a little bit of mint, but just a hint. And I do dr- I do drink it with um, heavy cream because it's also got some, I think it's tryptophan in the milk oh, that uh-huh. helps you to calm and feel sleepier. Mm-hmm. So there's that, you know, the whole warm milk thing. Great. Well, yeah, lovely. And, and I hope that not only is it blessing you, but maybe it's like a little moment of connection with your with your daughter who's taken it up as well. Because yes. I know that when my kids get up to go get their tea, you know, it's it's, it's sort of this like little bonding experience. Mm-hmm. We don't even say anything about it. Or, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I might get up and my son will say, hey, can you can you put my mug in in the microwave after you? Because, all right, I don't boil the water on the t- on the kettle, like with a kettle, like I just put it in the microwave for one mug. So, you know, for somebody who thinks it's going to be a more arduous process of getting out a kettle and putting a bunch of water in it and waiting for it to boil, it really doesn't have to be that hard. No, but I have to say one of the things that was very enchanting to my daughter when I said, well, you know, I'm not going to use the microwave. We have, I literally went out into our camp, our camping equipment Mm -hmm. and found a little, a camp stove oh, okay. coffee uh-huh. pot, uh-huh. you know, it's percolator, but I took the insides out. We use it all the time. So we boil the water and she was so enchanted. Was you going to boil the water? We're not going to do it in the microwave. I'm like, no, we're going to boil the water. We're going to do old school. Oh, it was fancy. great. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. So thank you. 
So as we move into the topic of faith as a theological virtue, I thought it was important to get a a good working definition of it. I mean, well, these, let's, let's, let's take a second and talk about why, you know, how do we come to this to, to do this? Like what was the impetus for us doing this three? Well, things? since you came up with the topic, yeah. why don't you tell yeah. us what was your I, impetus? Cause yeah. my impetus was Pam told me that's yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would say it goes back to my spiritual reading. Um, and recently I've been reading a lot of Jacques Philippe. Oh, and Jacques Philippe, this, living saint. a lot of, yeah, I really think so. Um, a lot of what I'll be sharing came from that book and it kind of just cracked open a window for me about mm-hmm. faith, hope and love. And so much of what I'm going to be talking about is these really cool things that I've learned about um, how to increase in these things. Right. Yeah. One of the things about the theological virtues that is sort of a defining feature is that they are God given. Right. So that can be the difficulty of thinking, well, what can I even do about it? It's either God gives it or he doesn't, but you know, and so there might be in someone's heart could creep up this concept of a little, um, just inability to affect it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would say when I first learned that, I thought, well, then dang, I'm pretty hopeless because <laughs> you know, if God doesn't give it to me, I'm not going to have it. And it was like nothing up to me, which wasn't quite accurate, but it, I did feel a little discouraged when I first mm-hmm. heard that. And that wasn't the right perspective. And so now it's getting more rightly ordered. Right. And I think one of the other places that we can get into a difficulty with that concept is say you are a person who has faith, hope and love in their hearts, God given, and you have people who you love dearly who do not seem Mm. to have it. And you can sometimes feel upset with God. You're like, well, why aren't you giving it to them? You know? And so that kind of thinking that, you know, because it only can come from God, that some people get it and some people don't get it. That's something that I think we probably should address because that means that you are operating out of an idea that there's sort of a predestination in a way that God has chosen some people for salvation, right. and some people not. And that's like from the foundation of time and that there's no chance for it's some false. people. And that's just not true. Mm-mm. We don't hold to that belief. No. Um, and another reason we we're going to talk about this is because we see so little of it in the world today, Megan. It's true. Yeah. Um, one of the things we wanted to bring in as a kind of, sort of the, a timely thing is that, you know, there's often these research studies that come out. Uh, Pew Research is kind of the classic um, entity, which does a lot of looking at the United States in particular and what faith practices are and beliefs and things like that. And um, the most recent Pew surveys have just found such a dramatic increase in the percentage of people who claim no faith at all. Uh, I believe the most recent one found that 30% of adults uh, had no faith at all. And if you get, get the elderly out of that, it, it's even higher. I think it goes up to 37% or even 40%. So there's clearly a trend. It's, it's an undeniable trend of people no longer claiming to have faith in any religious thing at all or belief in God. And so, you know, it brings to mind, you know, that verse from Luke chapter 18, verse eight, when Jesus says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith mm-hmm. on earth? Right. And, you know, Megan, I'm going to put that a lot on us as Christians. I mean, all Christians 
Have we been a good witness of faith? Have we lived our faith well? I think that's a very good question to ask us. And how can we increase that faith so to be a better witness with our bodies, with our words? True. And the belief and love of the Lord. Well, before we go any farther, I want to, you know, go to the catechism and get the definition that uh, is used for theological virtue um, of faith. So that you'll find this in uh, 1814 is the reference. Faith is the theological virtue by which we believe in God and believe all that he has said and revealed to us and that the Holy Church proposes for our belief because he is truth itself. And it also goes on to say in um, eight, uh, number 1825, Christ died out of love for us while we were still enemies. The Lord asked us to love as he does. Oh, wait, no, oh, sorry. I believe that was the wrong one. I'm going to bag that one for now. Anyway, okay. you'll get that in our charity. One. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but what I wanted to say on that reality of the truth that's been revealed to us. I love how it includes not only that there's God, but we believe that all that he has said. And and then it goes on to say how that has been revealed to us, what he says. So what are the two ways what Christ has revealed as God have been shown to us? Scripture and tradition. So it talks about all that the Holy Church proposes. And you know what it reminded me of? What's that? When I came into the Catholic Church. Oh, okay. Because I was um, not a catechumen, but a candidate because I had already been baptized. Yes. And so when you come in as a candidate and, you know, are asking for confirmation and first communion, there's a line that you have to say. It says, I believe and profess all that the Holy Catholic Church believes, teaches, and proclaims to be revealed by God. That's a huge, huge thing. It's huge, right? And and this is exactly what is saying in here is to say, I believe it. You know, whatever evidences have been, you know, brought to bear, or even in places where I'm not 100% sure based on reason or experience or whatever, but I'm with a consent of my heart and with a consent of my will, I believe that's faith. And sometimes I think people feel that faith has to be without a doubt. Like you can never doubt. Like if you have any doubt or questions or difficulties in believing a teaching or something in the Bible that you don't have faith. That's not true. You can struggle. You can have moments where it's not clear to you or even, you know, feeling like it doesn't even sound like it's true to you. But yet there's something within you that says, and yet I consent to believe. And I think that's how we cooperate. Mm -hmm. The Lord presents and we respond. Right. You know, one of the ways I really see it, too, that I I fall back on so often is I believe what he said is true. When he said all things work for good for those who love the Lord, I believe him when he said that. Mm -hmm. And I have to say there was many years I doubted that because I was like, well, clearly look at this evidence of bad things that happened and so forth and so on. But that was my very small 
worldview in my little mortal body. Um, and as time went on, I'm like, okay, I don't know the mind of God. I don't know how he's working all of this, but indeed he is. Yeah, I think that's interesting because one of the difficulties we can get into is to base everything on our own personal experiences, right? Or, Which is a normal human reaction. Yeah, sure. And and sort of often those personal experiences are very much defined by what we feel. And this sort of experiential knowledge of things. And those have great value and often can be the bedrock of faith, but the deepest levels of faith find their expression when you feel nothing. And you'll often find that as you grow in the spiritual life, the Lord will withdraw a lot of the consolations of the experiential um, part of his presence yes. to help you grow in your faith that he truly is not only just there, but truly good, you know? Right. And it brings to mind um, something that I heard about recently, which I thought was very interesting. Well, while you're looking for that, it reminds me too of the whole um, head and heart connection. Like there's many times we feel one way we experience that love in our heart. Um, and then that love we feel, don't feel anymore. So then it becomes the act of the will knowing that it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing that I was referring to was this idea of like, there's a difference between our God concept and our God idea and which Okay. Uh, concept versus idea. Yeah, okay. So I'll, unpack I'll, that I'll a little unpack bit. It. And, and I got to <laughs> give credit to Dr. Peter Malinowski because he's the person that I heard this from. He does a wonderful podcast called Integrated Interior Integration for Catholics, which is really very psychological, very heavy on the psychology, but how it intersects with spirituality. And so the idea of the God concept is what you kind of, with your intellect, would profess to believe about God. So say you're, a, you know, a faithful Catholic. And so basically, you know, who's God? And you're just going to kind of spit out what the Catholic church teaches God is. But the God idea is who you're relating to God as in any given moment. Mm. So sometimes, even if we have this, you know, theologically correct concept of God when we're actually experiencing him and interacting with him we're responding more out of this ideas that come from our woundedness our ideas about our childhood so like for example one of the types of God uh, idea would be um, the drill sergeant God so the God who only is like you have to get it faster, higher, better, you know, you're, it's never enough, never enough. You always got to be striving. You always got to be doing better. And so people get function in this place of perfectionism and even go off all the way towards scrupulosity because they're functioning in a way that God is some way when, even though their reason and intellect would not coincide with that. Mm. So the reason I bring that up is because faith in God isn't enough in a way to really be experiencing what this virtue is because you have to have faith not only that he exists 
but that he's good. Right? Right. Absolutely. And so it is a gift that we continually need to be unpacking. Right. And this is, this is like the very personal aspect of faith, like how you interact with the Lord and how you um, receive that gift of faith. Right. It's very personal level. Mm -hmm. And I did uh, wanted to bring in like a personal experience of the fact that today well, we were hoping to go to mass before we recorded, but unfortunately the mass we were planning on attending was not happening. So uh, I was sitting in um, Adoration Chapel and just reading the readings for today. And it was so perfect for this idea of faith because it's from John chapter 14. And Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God have faith also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. So that expands it, I think, because it's not just, I have faith in God. I have faith that he's good. But there's also faith that there's something beyond this life that we're striving for, right. that we're longing for, and that he that we're will made for. Right. And he will bring it to completion. Yes. So good. And this idea that we can live in confidence of the promise of eternal life. And this is going to be very relevant to the next virtue of hope. But it's part of, it is the faith that we profess, right? It is the defining feature, I would say, of what it means to be a Christian. And it's a beautiful thing. So as we pause there, let's take the temperature check. Take the temperature. Okay, Pam, what's on your heart? What is on my heart? That just the beauty of the free gift of faith, that it is a gratuitous gift from God. And I'm very thankful that, you know, coming from an atmosphere growing up um, of nothingness, that he brought me to an understanding that he's real mm -hmm. and he loves us very much. Yeah. It's interesting because I was also sort of thinking about my history mm. and the fact that I, as a young person, was a very faithful child. There's this story. Well, I, I don't, it's not even a story because I actually remember it. So it's a memory that one time I was in church and, you know, I grew up evangelical. So I'm a little evangelical church and um, I just felt compelled to write something which was really just a praise to the Lord in the middle of the church service. And my parents saw me writing and they thought that I was just messing around. Like I was not paying attention or whatever. And so they took the paper from me hmm. and then they read what I had written. And my dad, who was a leader in this church was so moved by it that he literally in the, during the service brought it up to the pastor 
and told him, my daughter just wrote this and they read it. Oh my goodness. In the service. How did that make you feel? I remember feeling simultaneously <laughs> completely embarrassed, but also proud too. How old were you? Well, it was before my fifth grade year. So I probably in third grade. Wow. But the reason that I bring it up is because, yeah, I had a heart for the Lord when I was little. And I, in my young adulthood, completely denied my faith mm. and became an agnostic. I lost faith. And how does that happen, right? How do you go from being this little girl who's writing like profound praises to the Lord in church services that they're reading to completely being separated from God in my heart? Did God change? No. But my response to him in light of my experiences in life changed. And it is only by his grace and his insistence that I came back to faith mm. when he, you know, made himself known to me in a really powerful way that I couldn't deny. Mm. But it just really goes to show that we can never take our faith for granted and think, I'm a good Catholic. I'm a good Christian. I'll never lose my faith. If it can happen to that little girl, it can happen to anybody. Yeah, I see it all the time, especially um, teenagers. Like when I know them as uh, children around First Communion, even middle school, that they have a, a very sweet connection and love of the Lord at that age. And then life's trials, hard things happen, divorce, these kinds of things, which make them question God. Mm-hmm. And his goodness, because there's so much bad happening. Right. And if I would speak from my own experience, I think one of the big things that happened is I turned my eyes from the Lord to other things. I turned my eyes towards other people and how they were treating me or how I was experiencing them. But even more than that, I turned my eyes inwardly. And that was really the biggest problem because I all of a sudden thought like, I can figure it all out. I, I was going to say the determination. When you say turn your eyes inwardly, are you are you referring to kind of like a type of pride? Oh, definitely. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, in you know how it says in Proverbs, lean not onto your own understanding, but in all your ways, you know, submit to the Lord, and He will guide your path. When you lean on your own understanding, you're going to lose your receptivity to the things that God wants to help you understand. That is so true. And I have people our own in my understanding, life like that. Yeah, our own understanding is so limited. Mm-hmm. One, of the time, one of the ways I think about it is this. Imagine you were an inner city child who lived in poverty and never experienced anything of the world outside of a 10 block radius of a very poverty-stricken, crime-riddled area of a city. What would you think the world was if that was all your experience? Exactly that. You'd think it was an awful, harsh place of deprivation and pain and struggle, right? Mm -hmm. That's all you would know. 
that perspective is broad compared to our perspective as it relates to God. The things that we see, the things that we experience, our perspective on them is so limited. And though our ability to determine what they mean, how they really are impacting us and the world beyond us, it's infinitesimally small compared to what God understands. Yes. But if we continue to lean on our own understanding and don't have faith that God has a plan that's greater and broader and much more complex than we could ever conceive, we're going to feel like that little child who never experienced any, anything beyond that 10 blocks of utter despair. Right. And, you know, that's just a really great segue about faith in the public square or how we express it in human relationship, like with our relationship, close friendships or in community. Yeah, I think that's really important to ask that question. OK, I've got, you know, I've got the faith in my heart. I'm carrying faith. Well, how does that get evidence to the world? Yeah. Let me see. I'll think about that for a second. Um, the way for me, Pam, and this is just in my temperament, my personality, and who God created me to be. Um, I believe that if God wants to spread his love and his faith through me, one of the ways he chooses to do that is be an example of joy. Because with my faith, my faith has brought me so much joy. And so I like to try to to bring that to others. You know, I was really moved. You've heard me say this on the podcast before mother Teresa's quote, joy is the net in which we catch souls. So I've really focused on, well, what is the source of joy? Jesus Christ. So how do I increase in joy to know him better and deeper Mm -hmm. through faith and believing he, what he says is truthful and he is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What also comes to mind to me is that oh so famous verse from okay, James okay. chapter 2 it. verse Let's 26 for just as a body without a spirit is dead so also faith without works is dead. Yeah. We need to okay. live our faith in right, right. active works of service to others, sharing of the gospel. For me, the number one way to express your faith in the world is to be open and willing to share the gospel with other people. So I've got a little vignette for okay, you. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so yesterday I went to get a massage for the first time in a very long time. And um, it was uh, the result of having dug 14 post holes for these stations <laughs> that I'm going to be putting up around my chapel out in my country place. And so I was, I was feeling the impact of the post hole digging. So okay. I was like, you know what? I think I need to get a massage. So when I go to this massage place, um, there's a beautiful, lovely uh, massage uh, therapist who I'd never met before. Cause I totally group on because I was trying to do it cheap. So I got the opportunity to pick scents from you know, for the aromatherapy part. And so she had this whole row of, you know, two rows of um, different scent options. And one of the scents was frankincense. And so this is how I played it. I picked it up and I smelled it. And I have to be honest, I do not like the smell of it. Myrrh is way better. Okay. (laughs) But I smelled it and didn't like the smell of it. So I definitely was going to use it. 
But I said, well, I'm totally a major Christian and I want to love the smell of frankincense, but it's just not working for me. So what that did, that was very intentional because I was putting that opening salvo that says, this is who I am. And if you have any interest in responding to that, Mm. that might be an opening. Well, guess what ended up happening? As the massage started, she actually said, I love that you said that about the frankincense. Turns out she's a Christian and we ended up talking the whole time about the Lord. And Wonderful. you know, I also got out of it an extra half hour because she was so loving our conversation that she gave <laughs> me an extra half hour for free. See, God multiplies our time, people. Amen. Multiplies our and time. And I was almost late for my spiritual direction session that was yeah. going to happen after that because I didn't realize it was going long. But my point is this. You know, Peter, St. Peter writes, always be prepared to have a defense for the hope that lives within you. Right. And, and so I think that this idea of our faith being on display, not being afraid to talk about it, having it be upfront in sort of a non-confrontational way, but just, I am not ashamed of my faith. I love my faith. It blesses me so much. And I would love to bless you with it. So this idea of, you know, being open to sharing the gospel is such a big way. I think we can right. live our faith out loud. Which I have a story too, but I wanted to like relay that secondary virtue to faith that was very instrumental in what I read as a way to look at faith and grow in faith. And if you've been listening, you can hear the thread of courage, courage sure. to speak who we are in the public square. Mm -hmm. And what happened to me was I'm bouncing into work one day. um, There's like a hallway. I'm at a doctor's office and there's a hallway. And I was just greeting everybody and just happy to be there. I'm so thankful for my job and so thankful for the workplace and what I get to do. And one of the nurses um, that I haven't known as long, she's maybe been there a year. She says, how do you manage to stay so positive, Pam? You know, and I'm like, well, you know, that's a really good question. And mm-hmm. I felt like it owed an answer. You know, I said, well, and I leaned over closely to her and I said, here it is. As I try to have so much Jesus in my heart, it squeezes out everything else. <laughs> that's what I told her. And it was so funny because the physician had heard me about to say it, but I whispered it to the girls. He's like, okay, before he went into the room, he says, I want to hear it too. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? It's like, right. that had to go with a response. Why are you so happy and positive? And I'm like, well, that only comes from God. That only comes from God. But I would also say that even in times when you're feeling very in pain, when you're struggling and yet you don't allow that to define your reality. And even in the darkest, deepest places of uh, pain or suffering, that you still have faith that God's at work. For sure. You know he's working and you can't always understand it and you can't always um, perceive how something is going to turn out for the good but you know that it's been promised that all things work for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so because you have faith in that, you know that this is not the final story, this Mm -hmm. event that may be really hard or even just the world when it's so easy to look at all that's going 
all on and seeing how many people have left faith and it seems like maybe the church is just, you know, imploding or whatever. And you just, it can get overwhelming if, if you just look at the present moment. But the reality is, is that our faith teaches the battle is already won. So when you know that, when you hold that as a conviction of your heart, it transcends the events of the day of the moment of the, of the church, of the country, of the world. And you dwell there. Right. You know, as we're starting to wrap this one up, I want to like go with those little practical tips that we're Mm -hmm, talking about. Um, The first one will be like for someone who's struggling with this gift of Mm -hmm. faith. um, What is a, a suggestion you may give them to help, um, rest in his love and increase in their faith. One of the things I would say is that a person's, if they're actually struggling with their faith, they already have it because the very desire for faith is the gift, right? The gift, maybe not full in full blossom, but it's the seed form. And so, so often we don't recognize what God has already given to us mm-hmm. because we think it needs to look a certain way or whatever. And so if you could just assure the person that desire is a good and holy desire and it's of the Lord. He is with you. He's in that. He is working in yes. your heart and just keep opening yourself up to receive more and, and recognize no one is closed off from the gift of faith. Jesus Christ said, it is the desire of the father that all should come to the knowledge of God and be saved. So what he's saying is, is that the gift is available for everyone. Amen. We just need to open ourselves to receive it. So I think just that encouragement, your very desire, even if you're not feeling it, if you're, even if you're not feeling convicted or, or firm in your faith, yeah, the desire for it means you have it. I love that so much, Megan. And as you were telling that story, I have a little analogy to kind of bring it even more to life. And what that is, is, you know, let's use our example I started the show with about the tea. Mm -hmm. Megan says, this is a really delightful, lovely thing that our family does. We've really enjoyed it as a habit to do. And would you like some? She offered me at the time. Well, I, in faith think, you know what, Megan's a pretty trustworthy person. I believe what she says because I know her Mm -hmm. and I'm going to trust what she speaks is true. See the analogy there of believing Christ and what he says, take him at his word for what he said. That's one of the ways to begin to grow that faith because you believe what he said was true and good. And I love that analogy because the thing that it really brought to mind was that beautiful um, story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And you remember, she goes off and tells the whole town, you know, I've met the Messiah. He told me everything I ever did. Right. And later it says they come back to her and they said, we believed at first, basically, because of what you said. But now we believe because we have heard him. Wow. And yeah. so how so that way that we interact with others and we present our faith and our, and our love for the Lord to others may be their trust in us mm-hmm. to so be a trustworthy person, someone that someone has respect for, live a life that's respectable. And then people will see your faith and think, right. well, maybe I'll start considering believing because 
she's not crazy and she's got well grounded and things right. and seem to be, you know, in her spiritual life, as far as her peace and everything seemed to be good. So maybe, maybe I'll stick my toe in that water. But as soon as that toe gets in that water, the Holy spirit comes in and he does his work and it's a beautiful thing. And it's a way that we're meant to be, that body of Christ Absolutely. to the world. And, and the way we kind of wrap this up with the, um, with a personal basis is using and believing Jesus when he says what he says mm-hmm. is true and good. But then in that communal way, we want to have the courage to live out this good faith in our public square and the way that we behave, the way that we love and the way we present ourselves in the world. All right. Well, next time we will be talking about hope. So obviously, I mean, I think we've already kind of flirted with hope as we've talked about faith, but we'll go deeper into it next time. And and I definitely think that just as um, the world is struggling as it relates to faith, perhaps even more struggling in a place of hope. So we hope that as we hope that as you come back next time to tune in and listen, that we can speak into that place and and bring some clarity and peace and joy to some very hopeless seeming situations. If you didn't, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend that you might think it will bless. We'd really be um, honored by that. Absolutely. And until next time, we hope you will remain united with us in prayer. God bless. God bless.